How many of you uh, like novels? We decided last uh, celebration that we're novel people. Was, yeah. You know, it used to be, we were, I was thinking this morning, we, we were talking about page turners, and I realized, well, it isn't that way anymore, because we read them this way now. So I guess it's a button presser, is, is, is what our books become. Life really is a story. All of history is God's story. That's why the first three letters are H-I-S. It's His story. And we are part of that story. I want to clarify, though, that unlike a novel where the writer controls the outcomes of the characters, that there's a little difference in real life. That we have a sovereign God who is writing a story. But then we have characters with a level of free will. We can't necessarily control it, but we can make decisions that guide that story and change its direction sometimes. But the reality is that the writer is always there. Overseeing his story. About five years ago, we began having a weekend every year where we came to grieve together. We did this because we felt as though in many ways the evangelical church had kind of uh, left grief at the doorstep. We, we acknowledge it at funerals, right? And we try, you know, okay, yeah, there's grief. Okay, let's move on. We struggle with admitting that it's a day in and day out thing that happens in our lives. Now we believe that, and pastors would tell you that we believe that, and that there is grief and there is loss in life. But what happened was we accidentally started saying, I believe to people, if your life is not, your Christian walk, your Christian life is not a smile fest, where everything appears to be going well, then something's wrong with you. Because real spiritual Christians don't have problems. And they don't experience loss. And if they grieve, it's during the 45-minute service called a funeral. And that the only thing that we grieve in life is death. When in reality, there is loss and grief in every area of life. As we've heard this morning, maybe you're grieving the loss of health. You're grieving the loss of a marriage. Or your expectations that your marriage wouldn't be struggling to the place it is today. Maybe you're grieving the loss of an unborn child or one that passed into eternity far too soon. With our economy the way it's been the last couple of years, maybe today you're suffering the loss and you are grieving the loss of a job. And a lifestyle. In some of your cases, a house. You grieve the inability to send your kids to college. Maybe you grieve because your children struggle. In our drama this morning, maybe they struggle with autism. 
or mental retardation or physical challenges. There's nothing you can do about it. Maybe you struggle with the loss of your purity and you grieve it. Maybe you're challenged with the loss of your innocence or the innocence of a child that you know. Many of us suffer loss just in the day-to-day because we read a newspaper. Even in our state this past week. Inexplicable things happening by people that we just can't understand. Life is filled with loss. And grief is the thing that God has given us to move through that loss and to understand it. And so that's what we want to talk about today. In your worship folder is a guide that will help you kind of follow along as we just take a few moments to talk about grief. Well, I really want to talk about three things. Grief, community, and hope. We call this weekend Grief Weekend, but I think we could almost call it Community Weekend. Because in grief is an opportunity for us to come together in community. And we're going to talk about that more. And we come together in community to remind one another that there is indeed hope. So let's talk about these three important things we need to understand that I believe God would have for us this morning. The first is that grief is real. Grief is real. It is not a figment of our imaginations. It is not the the production of weak minds and weak people. It is real. Now, we all have not experienced it to the same extent. Your story is not my story. Your response to loss in your life is not necessarily my response to the loss in my life. The challenge is that grief is a process that is different for everyone. But we must choose and do the often hard work it takes to move through the process of grief and not get stuck. You see, if we get stuck in grief and in loss, It allows loss to control us rather than the Spirit of God to control us. And Scripture tells us that we're to be controlled by the Holy Spirit and not by anything else. Isaiah 59.9 says this, Therefore, justice is far from us, and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light and behold darkness, and for brightness but we walk in gloom. The Bible acknowledges that grief is real. That like the writer of Isaiah, we hope for light, but we end up with darkness. We pray for brightness, but we walk in gloom. One writer put it this way, God is often silent when we would prefer that he speak. And he interrupts when we prefer that he would be silent. God's ways are truly not our ways. 
Often we want an answer and we want it now. And yet God is silent. Often God is pouring answers our way and speaking into our life and we want to back into a dark room and close off and not listen. But God desires the best for us. In the midst of the grief caused by sin and caused by death, God seeks to comfort us and give us answers when it is best for us. And he desires us to move through grief. And there are aspects of grief that I want us to take just a few minutes and look at today. And as we do, I'd encourage you to kind of identify where you might be or where you have been or where a friend of yours may be. One aspect of grief is fear and anxiety. These emotions invade us and they begin to quickly accumulate and they stack on top of each other. And our fears build up. And as the fears build up, the anxiety increases. The fear of being alone. The fear of the future. The fear of additional loss. The fear of desertion or abandonment by people or even by God. Anxiety builds in us because grief is an intense emotion. And it's not one that we are really good at dealing with. Because it comes every now and then. And so our anxiety builds up as we try to deal with grief. And when we lose control in one area, it feels as though we're going to lose control in all areas. And that brings even more fear. There's a huge amount of uncertainty and loss. And that adds to the burden of the loss itself. So we suffer loss, whatever it may be, and then there's uncertainty about, well, what's next? And that piles on more fear and more anxiety, and it builds and builds. Another aspect of grief is guilt. Regrets. Whether for the things that we are responsible for and could have legitimately done something about, or the ones where we couldn't have done anything. They come in the form of the should-haves and the could-haves. And we start getting guilty about the things that we might have done. I think that emotion is best dealt with through simple confession. I encourage people to identify those words of guilt that flood into us. And let me remind you that those type things are lies. Well, you could have done this, or you should have done this, or if you'd have done this, or if you'd have been a better person or if you'd have gone and see it can continue on and on to identify them, to even write them down, to say them out loud, to go to God and simply take them to him and let him release our heart and mind of that pressure. Talk to a trusted and wise friend. Let them speak truth into your life in this area of guilt. Another aspect of grief is denial. And that's a refusal to accept the reality of the loss. Have you ever been like that? Where you kind of shut off. Kind of pretend that nothing has really happened. We can often believe that in denying its existence, the loss will not have an impact on us. We know that in the reality that's not true. But within us is a desire to avoid hurt. 
And in order to avoid the hurt, avoid the hurt, we just deny the loss. We try to go on. But I think there's a way to move through the levels of denial in order to overcome it. First, I believe we have to just accept it in our heads that mentally we accept with our mind this has happened, this has taken place. And you say, well, of course we've done that. Not everybody does. Remember, we all grieve and deal with loss differently. The second is to accept it into our feelings and allow ourselves to feel the loss. But we're told as good Christians, you shouldn't do that, right? We shouldn't feel the loss. You should just know loss. Jesus is in control. I'm moving on. If you've ever met anybody like that, please come tell them to see me. And after we've allowed our feelings to accept the loss, we need to adjust life's pattern to reflect the reality of what's occurred. You don't go back to life as it was. You adjust to the reality of the change that's taken place and then you move forward in a new way. We'll talk about this more in a moment. Life is not the same after loss. It's just not. We have to adjust. As we accept it in our minds and allow our feelings to be touched by the loss, we can then adjust the pattern of our life to the reality. Another aspect of grief is anger. Often hurt turns to anger. In our drama this morning that really wasn't a drama, I hope you caught that, every one of them talked about anger. It is an outward expression of hurt to be angry. It can be toward a person, the person who caused the loss. It can be toward the, the thing that was lost, toward yourself, to others around you, even towards God. We want answers and we want them now, but they're not always readily available. Let me just tell you this, that anger at God is a response to loss. It is not an indication of a lack of faith. And we can get all overcome by this idea that we must not be a good Christian. We must not really be a follower of Christ if we question what is happening in the midst of loss. God would just have us express the loss and express the feelings of anger to him. Tell God how you feel. He can handle it. And I believe that in those moments, the voice of the Holy Spirit can speak truth into the situation and begin healing, begin that process. Another aspect of grief is sadness or depression and despair can seem as if dark, the dark clouds will never go away, especially if there are losses all in a row. It's easy to become overly sensitive to what other people say and do. Have you ever been there? That nothing quite is right. And that pushes friends and family often further away and pulls you back, and makes the emotions feel worse. And sadness turns into depression and despair. Depression creates a distortion of life and it intensifies guilt feelings that you have. 
Remember that Jesus is no stranger to those feelings. For he experienced sadness and despair. Keep in mind that in the last days of his life, some of the last words we read that he spoke was him questioning the Father. Does it have to happen this way? Isn't there another way? In these times, I would encourage you to get input from wise counsel, a pastor, a counselor, or a friend who can speak truth into your situation. Then another aspect of grief is one we don't normally talk about because it seems out of place, and that's relief. Relief is part of grief too. But we don't talk about it because it, it seems wrong, right? It's, we're, we're, it, it's too easy or we've let it go too quickly and we get all these and then it turns into guilt and then we're back to number three, okay? But relief. Think about it though. When a, a long sick loved one passes into eternity... When an abusive relationship ends. When we have a deep sense of completion somehow. Our emotions get confusing and yet we sense relief. We sense finality. Never feel that even relief is an emotion that you can't express. As we talked really quickly about these aspects of grief. That's the most important thing I want you to remember is never believe that an emotion should be bottled up and not expressed. Here's how it needs to be expressed. Number two, community must be real. See, when community is real, then we can express our emotions. We can share our loss. We can talk about our grief. The aspects that we just talked about should not take place in a vacuum. They should take place in community. What is community? This should be community. The church is to be community. And in times of loss and in grief, there is that trusted friend, that pastor or that counselor, that small group, that ministry team that you can express what you are going through. And they can circle the wagons and speak truth into your situation. That's what has to happen within community is we must speak truth, not trite truisms. You heard in the drama Susie talk about what I would call a trite truism. You're young, you can try again. Unhelpful. That may be true at some base kind of level, but it isn't the truth that someone in the midst of grief needs to hear. Not trite truisms, but the truth of the gospel. We must be living in true, open, honest community in order to have the full benefit in times of suffering and grief. We should continually at New Life be talking about the examples of power The power of truth in community. The truth of the gospel is this, that Christ came to overcome. 
He came to overcome. Let me say it again. Christ came to overcome. What did he come to do? To overcome. What? The power of what? Death and sin. The two primary causes of suffering. We must remind each other in times of trouble that this is the truth. That Jesus has already overcome. That we can live in the reality that we serve a God who came to conquer sin and death. And in the hurt of this moment, we hurt together. We share emotion together. We grieve together. But at our core is the truth that Jesus is an overcomer. God uses loss and suffering to produce good in us. And to make us into something more closely resembling his son. Listen to Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So far, so good, right? More than that, more than the truth that we have been justified by faith and have obtained access by faith to His grace, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces what? Hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. More than the truth of Christ's sacrifice on the cross for us to bring us into right relationship with God is His conquering of not just death but sin. Hope is the reality. Grief is real. Our community must be real. And within that community, we must be reminding each other that the reality is hope. There is a new normal. You see, life will never be the same again after loss. It cannot be. But there's a new normal. And that new normal is filled with an abundance of hope. God's ultimate work in our suffering is hope. Not a hope that is misplaced, and as Romans 5 says, that brings us into shame, but a hope that is grounded in truth. Gerald Sitzer wrote a book called A Grace Disguised, and in it he writes about his experience of losing his mother, his wife, and his daughter in a car accident. And he says this, listen real carefully. Catastrophic loss, by definition, precludes recovery. It will transform us or destroy us, but it will never leave us the same. There is no going back to the past. It is not, therefore, true that we become less through loss unless we allow the loss to make us less, grinding our soul down until there's nothing left. Loss can also make us more. I did not get over my loved ones. Rather, I absorbed the loss into my life until it became a part of who I am. 
sorrow took up permanent residence in my soul and enlarged it. The soul is elastic like a balloon. It can grow larger through suffering. Loss can make us less if we choose to allow it to. Or we can trust in the hope that there is a new normal that will make us more. More able to minister to others who are hurting. More able to trust in the power of Christ. More gracious toward those who are hurting. More able to live in the power of community. More able to be a critical part in others' healing. Your soul is elastic too. And God wants to enlarge it through suffering and through loss. You know, the Bible has an entire book on sorrow and suffering. It's not the one we go to in our daily quiet times often. The book of Lamentations is all about sorrow and suffering and hurt and grief. In Lamentations chapter 3, the writer writes this. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance has perished. So is my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. And this I call to mind. And therefore... I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke to his youth. Let him sit alone in silence when it is laid on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. See, the writer of Lamentations was on the other side of the cross. Today we would finish that lament to say, There is yet hope. The southern preacher put it this way. When you can't see God's hand, trust his heart. Well, I imagine that some of you perhaps are feeling a little uncomfortable with the tone of this service today. And I want you to know that you're not alone. I'm a little uncomfortable with the tone of this service today. And it was my idea. I'm uh, processing some loss and grief in my own life right now, and I'm not sure I'm doing it real well. And, um, you know, sometimes the pastor needs pastoring. 
I'm curious, how many of you uh, have said goodbye to friends this year? They've moved away. Or... Can I see your hands? Oh, a lot. That's hard, isn't it? You know, one thing that many people say about New Life Church that they appreciated about it, we know we're not a perfect church, but many people have said, you know, I appreciate that this place seems to be real. And um, that is a blessing to be in a church where we get real, and that's really what we're doing today. And we are clinging to the hope in Christ, aren't we? We established a tradition a few years ago that we'd take one weekend a year and acknowledge our losses and grieve together over them. And included in that was the ceremonial lighting of a candle for those we've lost among our church family who've actually slipped into eternity. And uh, we're going to do that right now. There are six candles here representing six lives who a year ago were among us and now they're in eternity. And we want to take a few moments this morning and just to remember them. And perhaps you knew these folks and you can remember their life and uh, maybe feel some of the emptiness of them not being with us anymore. Or if you did not know them, I'd like you to put yourself in the position of their family members, a spouse or children, and what they might be feeling as they process their loss. In January of this year, Donna Morin slipped behind the curtain and went into eternity at a very young age. And so we miss Donna, and we pause for a moment and remember her this morning. In May, our precious Grace Crump went home to be with the Lord, married to Thurman over here, whom we love and the whole family. And we remember Grace today, the precious lady that she was and is, and we think of her and we know that she's with the Lord. In June, we said goodbye to Ralph Brown, married to Betty, a long time Ralph, a longtime servant of Christ here, back going back to the days when we met in the school, at Middle School West. And today we acknowledge that there's a hole where Ralph once was, and um, we miss him. We miss him greatly. In July, we said goodbye to Steve Van Fossen. You might remember Steve as the gentleman who was in our baptism video that we've shown here a number of times, and uh, just the joy on his face in obeying Christ in baptism. And uh, he was taken from us fairly suddenly, and so we want to pause this morning and remember Steve.
in August, we said goodbye to Ron Smith, Sr., precious man who battled a lot of things in his later years, married to our own precious Jane, part of our fellowship, father to Ron, Jr., who you probably know. And so we pause and remember Ron. And then just a couple of weeks ago, less than two weeks actually, our own Tina Williamson, precious lady, loved Jesus, succumbed to her battle with cancer. Just had the funeral here just this past Monday, and uh, her husband Jason and the family, greatly appreciative of all the support from New Life. But we miss Tina already. Her infectious smile and her love for Christ. And uh, she's in eternity now. Let's take a moment and remember her. You know, the gospel tells us that there's a grand reunion planned one day for all who truly know Christ. And so as much as this hurts and we struggle with it, with loss, and we feel that emptiness, we also cling to a promise, don't we? That we will see our brothers and sisters again in eternity. And they will be uh, unshackled from their bodies that caused them so much trouble the last few years of their lives. And we'll all be freed up from our flesh and our sin. And it will be a glorious reunion in the presence of Jesus. And so let's uh, cling and grasp on to that truth today as we grieve our losses and uh, remember those who have passed on. As we've stated, grief comes in all forms. Loss comes in all kinds of packages. Maybe the loss of someone you cared about, loved one or a friend. <clears throat> Ralph's in heaven now telling me to get over it. Uh, maybe the loss of a relationship, maybe the loss of your purity. loss of a marriage maybe not through divorce but the loss of the marriage the way you expected it to be maybe you have a child with autism or a handicap that will cause them never to be all that you wanted that's loss maybe it's the loss of an unborn child and our theology tells us that that is life Maybe it's the loss of your health, the loss of a family member's health, and it changes life. Maybe it's the loss of a dream, the loss of a business 
or a house or a job, an income, a lifestyle. Steve brought up one I hadn't thought about, at least at this until this moment, the loss of a friend who just they moved away because they lost a job and then they moved away. And we've had about fifty or sixty of those this year at New Life moving away. Maybe you're young here today and it's the loss of a mom or a dad who's not in your life anymore. Maybe it's the loss of your innocence. Children suffer it all the time. Maybe you're here today and you've never really grieved the loss of your innocence. And you've held it in. That's what we come for today. There are two kinds of people sitting here today. There are those of us who are in the midst of loss or God is now revealing loss to us and we are grieving. And then there are those who are, that's not where we are right now. That's how the body works. So what we want to do is we're going to open this area at the front and there are candles all along the front here and lighters there. The idea is that you come today and you acknowledge the loss. That's really an important step is just to acknowledge that it is loss. And pause there, whatever that loss may be. Then we want to do the next important thing, which is be real in community. And as you see people standing, as they light a candle, go and join them in their grief. You may know them or not know them, but go and join them in their grief. I'm going to ask that you pray over them. And what are we going to pray? Well, we talked about it. Truth. That they will see the truth. That the Holy Spirit will flood over them with truth. And that they will realize hope. That there is yet hope. So we come together as community. Let's live in real community in these coming moments.